Welcome to the Digital Workplace Podcast. These are conversations with CEOs of digital companies, thought leaders, and solution providers about how you can become a level five digital workplace. For the show notes and transcript of this episode, go to thedigitalworkplace.com. Well, welcome back to the Digital Workplace Podcast. Today, our guest is Randy Herbertson. He is the principal at The Visual Brand. Hey, Randy, how's it going today? Real good, Neil. How are you? I'm excited. You are a very interesting person and someone I'm enjoying chatting with, even as we were getting to know each other before the call. So this is going to be a fun call. We're going to be talking about innovation. That's a big topic for a lot of people thinking about where that fits now that we're in a new digital age. How do we keep doing that? But first, let's make sure you are a real-life human. Randy, your capture question is, who is the hardest person you know to buy a gift for? So that would 100% be my wife. <laughs> I think that's everyone's answer. That's the husband. Yes, because <laughs> at this one, I think I know uh, what she, her taste. It'll be the opposite. So uh, so that's it's the classic. Gifts, gift certificates are always good if it's for the right place. That is a very uh, human experience, I feel like. The people we know the best, you feel like, yeah, you do know them, but then they, they always surprise you, right? Exactly. Never know. The good part too, right? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be too much. We just, uh, we're, we're coming off of Father's Day last week. And so my wife and I had this like big conversation about like, tell the other person what you want for these holidays just to make it easier on them. Or do you guess? And then maybe they're disappointed. It's tough. Yeah. This, this is by my mother. Actually, everyone would say I'm the hardest because I'm the person who just, if I need something, I just get it. And so they say I'm the hardest too. So that's all they say. Well, what do you want? And I would say, whatever you want. And so I'm, I'm probably the hardest on everybody else's list. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I love like composting is like a weird hobby of mine. So I bought this. I just went and bought a t-shirt that said compost on it. My wife got so upset because she's like, I was just going to buy something like that for you. And you went and bought it for yourself. <laughs> exactly. This would be my wife's story all the time. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's jump into it. Tell us a little bit about the visual brand. Uh, what type of services do you guys provide? So the visual brand is, uh, and I don't like using the innovation word because that gets overused like marketing, but we are an innovation firm. Our core business is helping uh, new and existing products and services either pivot or come to life. Excellent. So typically these are going to be physical products, services. What's your sweet spot? All of the above. So, uh, you know, from we, like I said, we'll work on physical products, everything from snack bars to, you know, beverages and, and you name it. We've worked on electric vehicles. Interestingly enough, in the service area, a lot of our work, we do a lot of work in information design because uh, engineers come up with great concepts that no one understands uh, that unless they're an engineer. So we, we've helped them a lot to navigate and bring that to market. Uh, in different ways, uh, depending on who the audiences are. And sometimes the audience is investors, sometimes it's, you know, government, sometimes it's consumers, depends. So, And tell us a little bit about your team. Who do you have working with you? How big are they? What types of roles do you have? So I have a team of 20, and uh, it's a real uh, combination of strategic people and creative people. Uh, and so one of my, you know, core theorems, of course, which many people share is that those two things are intermarried. Uh, they don't live separately. Uh, and so uh, our creative, we so we have creative team and strategic people, and uh, and they and they work very closely hand in hand. They're not separate, isolated silos. So uh, what I find a lot is that you know, as as many people will say, a great strategy will support great creative. And so uh, we find ourselves in that often finding that uh, if that doesn't exist for a client, we have to help them shape that. Uh, so it helps us give them better creative export um, on the other side. 
Well, like everyone else, uh, you walked through this pandemic, but you guys were kind of ahead of the curve in, in some ways in terms of some of your practices. So tell us like what you were doing pre-pandemic and then how the pandemic did affect you. So yeah, interesting, a couple fronts. I, I, you know, I'd say like an innovation firm, we innovated early. Uh, the, one of the earliest innovations is that when I decided to uh, uh, reopen my uh, business, I decided not to commute to New York City anymore eight years ago. And I, and I decided to be close to home, uh, which was which was new. And a lot of people follow this now. Even in the town we're in, there are 1,500 new families in a town of 20,000. So it's mm. been a, a real influx. But uh, from a digital standpoint, you know, we started our client base is all over the country and even all over the world. And um, we realized some time ago, probably six years ago or more, that uh, that digital visual. Uh, conferencing, uh, video conferencing was going to be a, a really good tool. And so we started doing that uh, with clients and with partners. Um, you know, we, you know, we, we do a, a fair amount of voiceover work in our business. We haven't done a live in-person voiceover session in at least that long because we found a huge access to a pool of people and a real ability to have a communication without that. Um, and so that's, that happened really early. The other area that interesting and happened is that uh, as a piece of our strategic work, we will do focus groups, um, certainly as we're uh, testing new concepts. And your know, physical focus groups are, are deadly anyways. So quite some time ago, we said we can do this better digitally. And so we started doing all of our focus groups uh, digitally. And we've done that on Zoom and platforms for Zoom for quite some time. And what's amazing about that is we get better people and we get better responses. And uh, we have gotten anything from, you know, 16-year-old boys to 80-year-old auctionarians uh, to do it. So it's uh, it's been a really great tool. Um, and obviously, you can do it with a much more compression of time and lower cost. So, yeah, so that's been a big part. You know, we've also been, you know, um, G-chatters, and we're on the G Suite for, for quite some time. Um, I will say the last year when everybody... Um, went remote. Um, the biggest thing we learned is that everything got much more linear. You know, conversations were one-to-one, -one, back and forth. Even on Zoom, we know that is not typically, people don't communicate as a group, which is a difference in person. Um, so as a someone managing people, that was challenging. Uh, mm -hmm. If you take clients plus uh, all of my employees communicating all at once to me, I couldn't even get up to pee. You know, it was a constant barrage. Um, so that was, that's a learning. And I would say that, you know, coming out of it, I do have um, a hybrid situation. I've got people who are, frankly, it's, it's not about the pandemic anymore. They're just, they like working sometimes at home. So our sort of new model is uh, some people are here full time. Uh, some people are here two to three days a week and home two to three days a week. Um, but the interesting thing that I'm learning and, and the in-person is great. And you know, frankly, especially in our business, it's great to have physical interaction, be able to communicate more uh, fluidly um, and as a group. But um, people are finding when they're going home to work that that carries over, you know, that that in-person contact is, uh, is, is stayed and they've continued it. So, so far, I'm feeling pretty good about that. It's almost like that in-person has a little bit of a half-life that can continue on throughout the week, even if people are not together. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And look, at there's just a difference in a relationship when somebody in person uh, mm -hmm. Even with a company, frankly, you know, if you have, I had an employee that was with us for uh, a year who never came in the studio and then took another job, but never, would never met him in person. And he was great. Mm -hmm. Saw him on Zoom, 
he told us like his last day of work that actually, guys, I'm five foot six. And we thought, oh, we would have had no idea. <laughs> and um, so there, there is that that combination is really important because, um, again, there's just a different kind of interaction. Um, but I am finding already people we had a couple of people that were reluctant to come back. And again, just because they were kind of happy sitting at their desk or on their deck. And uh, so with a little prodding, they were willing to come back and try it. And they said, oh, you were right. You know, it's not that big of a deal. I can work from home two or three days a week. And uh, I, I like the change of pace, frankly, to come in. Have you arranged it to where there's like specific days when everyone needs to be at the office for some of this collaboration? Or is it totally optional which days they come in? So my only rule right now is that they have to let me know. Uh, and people are sort of, and it's very new, it's a couple of weeks old, right. but people are gravitating sort of certain days. Now, one other thing that's of course happened is that, you know, when you don't use desks and computers and like that for 15 months, oh, that computer doesn't work anymore. Oh, we've got to change the way this is configured. We've added some new people. Uh, so we've had to do a little bit of dance around that. Um, but, uh, but it's worked, you know, and we have a couple of people that are desk sharing, honestly, it's a, here because they're here different days. And, uh, and that's, that's so far worked out okay. There's a lot of this hybrid thing I want to get into, but I want to revisit a few things you said before. First, let's come back to the idea of focus groups. It almost seemed like you were saying that digital focus groups were better than the in-person ones. So I want you to unpack that a little bit more. Yeah. Aside from being able to get other people, is there anything about the actual way that the focus group is run that is an advantage to do digitally? Yeah. And that first thing I will tell you, it was complete retraining for me and my team who ran virtual focus groups. It's just a whole different, because it is more linear. You have to call on people. You, it's the whole way we, we, you know, anybody who's good at it does it. So that was a retraining. Uh, and like I said before, you'll get people that just would never go to a focus group facility. So either wouldn't have the time or wouldn't have the inclination. Um, so that's good. And you save all that money too. But the uh, other thing that I really like is that people are in their chosen environment. And so we're finding the interactions are much more natural and more comfortable. So you're not having everybody in a little room with, you know, bright lights on them, feeling like they're, you know, at a court date. Uh, so that has been really, really great. Yeah. And and people fit it in. So uh, yeah, we typically, the other thing we can do is we can say, hey, we can do four today. And what's convenient for you? Rather than saying, oh, we only can be at the facility from blah, blah, blah. So that's 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 been great. And, you know, in a period of very short time, we're going to have a very broad cross-section of people. Um, and also, of course, it's all filmed, too. So mm. uh, automatically, not that we, we filmed things occasionally before, but, uh, you know, for clients, they can, A, sit in the background and watch without having to sit back and eat M&Ms in dark rooms. Uh, but they also have the ability to look at it afterwards. So, yeah. And you can transcribe that. You can do a lot with it, right? Completely. And by the way, a great little transcribing tool that we discovered maybe a year and a half ago, it's called Temi, T-E-M-I. And it's literally costs a few dollars and it's an instant transcriber. You have to do a little work on it, but it's very, very simple. And that actually leads me into another question into what interesting tools you guys are using. Because I'm assuming like, Zoom is great for a lot of things, but you can only get so far in those ways, especially when you're you're talking about innovative discussions and ideas. So what are some of the other tools you've found to be useful? So obviously, you know, Zoom, you know, I would tell you during the day, uh, we probably were on, 
uh, Gchat more often. I will say we're very annoyed with all the changes Google's making and the way we can do meetings and how we have to set them up there. It's kind of annoying, but we use that more fastly. And same thing with clients that we're very, very busy with. That's the more typical thing. We use Zoom. You know, we have some clients that are, you know, think Zoom is the evil empire and use Teams. Teams is pretty awful. Um, it's bad from a bandwidth standpoint. It's, uh, you know, the interaction's less natural. You know, it's, uh, but uh, we do use that occasionally. We have been experimenting with a new one called Surround. Uh, which is pretty cool. And we, what we like about that is that allows you to float as bubbles and have your work screen open. And particularly when you're working on something collaboratively, rather than just sharing screen, it's a nice way to do it. Because uh, frankly, it's again, that human face interaction is very nice uh, to mm -hmm. have rather than just looking at something where everybody's in the background. So we like that one so far. Um, and the only real issue extending beyond the team has been to, you know, just getting other people to download it. So, but that's, that's been a cool new tool. Excellent. seems like especially people who are trying to have these deep, uh, you know, high fidelity conversations, a lot of just the basic video conferencing tools are not quite enough. Like it gives you a sense of, talking to somebody, you can see their body language a little bit, but you need something more to be able to say, oh, I'm going to draw this real quick, or I want you to see this real quick. And something beyond just sharing the screen is, is important. Yep. And, and Neil, the other thing that, you know, to reference that, of course, being on Zoom, even more than anything else, when you're in a meeting with a client with that, you can see all their facial reactions at once. You don't have to turn your head. So oh, that's true. That amazing, actually, because you can actually sell when you're losing somebody, when you're really engaging somebody, um, and actually, that's true to focus group, too, by the way, is that you literally, if with your peripheral vision, can see everybody and you can really uh, pull it in. And of course, there's the classic, you know, forget about the, you know, wearing your underwear on Zoom. There are, uh, you know, people have had to learn proper video behavior, right? Don't yeah. lay back and you know, don't pick your nose and, and, and pay attention. But I think generally people do that. So, uh, yeah, so that that's really important. So that's one rule that we have even with our clients is saying, We'll do this, but only if we're all have our cameras on. Excellent. Let's unpack that idea of conversations kind of switching to a linear point of view when it comes to digital workplaces. A lot of the people we interview, and especially companies that are, are completely virtual, that have been that way way before the pandemic, they do tend to have a little bit more of a rigid collaboration style, I would say, where you know everything's threaded in conversations, everything's streamed. We're going to take that one conversation to the end which has its advantages. And it is really nice to make sure that you follow up on things and things get completed and everyone kind of talks in turn. But it, I find that that tends to be the difference when people really want to be in the office. They tend to be more collaborative thinkers where it's just like lots of ideas piled on top of each other instead of in one direction. So tell us more about that experience in your organization. So uh, another whole side conversation, I have a thing I lecture about uh, universities that I call what's your creative thinking DNA, which would be another topic. But it's really, it's a combination of matrices, including matrix and linear thinking, fast and slow processing. Mm -hmm. And the reality, when you think about that, we all need to be a little bit matrix at times. Yep. And digital communication and virtual like this doesn't really accommodate it perfectly. Because changing topics, having side conversations, all that just doesn't really exist in this world, other than if you're chatting on the side, which that means you're not paying attention. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so it, it's been, it's a challenge. And what you what I've really learned, I guess the biggest lesson is you have to, you know, especially if you're leading the conversation, have to be very inclusive. So mm -hmm. you can't just let it go and let it go because it'll happen one-on-one. -on -one. What happens is two people are talking, everybody's listening. Now, listening is a good thing, 
but you have to encourage more people to participate. And, um, and that participation ends up being sort of treed. It's not homogenous, right? Mm-hmm. But that, you have to pay a lot of attention as a facilitator of any conversation to allow that to happen. Um, and and it, it's funny, I literally was at a, uh, a, a cocktail party a few months ago, and I laughed because I really said halfway through, I said, we're having a live Zoom conversation. Mm-hmm. There was eight people, but every, there was just two people talking at a time. Two people talking at a time, and everybody else listening said, "Guys, we're not on Zoom. We can all just have our own conversations." Wow. So we're, we're getting kind of trained that way, which is interesting. Yeah, that's wild to think about how that goes on. And I think it's worth noting, you know, that there would be people that, you know, in these like full-out uh, virtual distributed offices. One thing most of them will admit is that things do move at a slower pace. Yeah, it's a little bit slower processing to go through. They feel like it's worth it. That trade-off is there. Right. But there are people out there that would prefer that and they do process things slower and so they like being able to slow things down and then maybe they like linear thinking. And I think what we're seeing now is as more and more companies explore hybrid work, as they explore what how to add these things in, it may end up being the, the first thing that people check whenever they want to work for an organization. Like, well, are you a totally virtual company? Knowing that, okay, that's going to give me more time. It fits my personality better. It fits my lifestyle better. Right. Uh, but also like just the way I like to collaborate and work. But you say, no, we're we're totally in person all the time, be here at the same time, overlapping hours. Like that's not only a lifestyle thing, but it's also a, a way of working thing as well, too. You know, and it's interesting. I found even in the last 18 months there, I mean, I had a, a, a group of people that worked virtually for like three months that couldn't do it. Just yeah. hated it. Uh, I actually, I had to let go one person who just failed miserably at that. Uh, and it was having some issues before, but, uh, but other people decided to come back. And so what we did is we created a very rigorous testing protocol and all that kind of stuff, but they just were much happier being in, you know, in person and not sitting in their apartments or their homes to, to, to work. So like you said, there are different styles and I really believe there's going to be a combo probably for most companies. My biggest concern as an employer is the connection people have to a company if you're only virtual. You know, I feel like that we lose just a little bit of, of that uh, direct, you know, human connection that you want with your employees uh, when you're completely virtual. Not that we don't have it. Like I said, the example I gave you of an employee who was only virtual. But I also wonder, said, would we have kept him if he had been in person a little bit? Possibly. I think that's such an important thing to look at. And, you know, we've had people on the show who do lead virtual teams that have been there for maybe the last six or seven years. And so it's always interesting to hear from them because... I haven't had anyone come on yet that said like, hey, I'm struggling with with connection. Um, because when you start off totally distributed, that you just assume you're going to have to put in the work in these areas or you're, you're pulling in these things. Now, a lot of them would say it's not perfect. Like, I wish we could do this, maybe get together a little bit more often. And definitely during the pandemic, that was a stress on them because they would rely on maybe once in six months, uh, they would have some kind of big retreat where they'd fly everybody in or something like that. But building that connection to company, I, I feel like, especially is difficult for people to transition from fully in office to fully out of office. That's really tough. So you just referenced something that I'm actually hearing more about, which I think is interesting, is companies particularly who are really downsizing their physical spaces. Mm -hmm. uh, What they're doing is they're having regular retreats, right? Where people come together and you really have an agenda that's separate from the all day long agenda at work, but the opportunity for people to, 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 collaborate on things, do things in person, and create that human connection. I mean, I think that's early state. I mean, 
those will work forever. But the, of doing that with a, a completely hybrid environment, otherwise, it'll be interesting to see if it works. Definitely. I'm also very interested to see what companies come into because, you know, pre-pandemic, most companies had not tried, you know, virtual work at all. And now we're entering into a phase where people haven't really tried virtual or the hybrid work at all. Like this is also a new thing that nobody knows about. So it's going to take us several years to really find footing on this. I think you'll find a lot less hybrid models maybe in the future. I think companies will start to go a little bit polarized and say, actually, we, we like this a lot and we're not going to do this as much. But some of those will still, like you said, they'll still have a physical component to it once in a while. And then other companies will say, look, it's just not working for us. We got to be in person. Right. Yeah. And I think, honestly, I would say from an employer standpoint, the in-person is a little bit of a control freak thing where you go, I don't really know what my people are doing when they're not here. Although it's funny, I have people that tell me when they're going to lunch, you know, I'm going out to walk the dog. They literally are that, you know, uh, pretentious how they do it. But um, I do think that uh, for, for, for many companies, it is going to be um, a choice just in terms of how their business model works best, frankly. Yeah. You know, because every, in different models, I mean, I you know, the other thing, look, at, I know people who were having a hard time finding jobs before the pandemic, and all of a sudden they can work virtually with their, their where they can do it is completely opened up. They don't have to move to Austin, Texas. They can work there virtually. So that has been interesting. And, and the same thing for an employer. We can hire people other parts of the country or whatever, and that, that will work. So, you know, I have a, a, a new employee actually who uh, just moved from being very close by to about an hour and a half away. Uh, but she's realized that, uh, you know, A, she's okay to, to find a way to be in person a couple of days a week, but she's been very used to working remotely. So it works. So rather yeah. than saying, ah, she's great, but it won't work because she's moving, we can make it work. And that's honestly where a lot of companies, I think, experimented with remote work earlier was in that exact situation. They had somebody who was there in the office. Maybe they or a spouse got an opportunity to move somewhere else. They say, hey, we don't want to end this. We still like you. So let's make it work. And so it's interesting that that talent and, and people was the impetus to say, hey, well, it's going to be tough to find somebody just like you. So how can we make this work? And applying that to the rest of our business too. Yeah. And it's honestly for a lot of employers, and I certainly have had a few people like that in the past, you kind of figured that was their transition out. You yeah. figured We'll do this run. That's exactly what I experienced. People sort of did it and they went, oh, now we live in Boston and I'm eventually going to take a job in Boston. Um, and it's different now. So the, you don't sort of assume that. Uh, yeah. because, again, there's no guarantee that they're going to look for that. I'm very excited, like you said, to see what the next five years holds because we're not going back to anything that we had before. We're all kind of looking out to a new horizon that, that we haven't been to before. It's going to be exciting to see. Yeah. Uh, Randy, my last question for you is going to be about really... Well, let's talk about that work-life balance, uh, if that's the right term for it. You, you've talked before about the fact that you have, you know, you have a lot of clients that are out there as a team internally. You kind of have to think about, okay, what are our boundaries about when we can talk to people, when we can send messages? What's right. that flexible work time? But then you also have clients that are on you. What's been that experience like for you? So it's 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 been interesting, particularly in the last year, because you know, clients just like us have had the blur of work life balances. And so they're getting to things and at different times. And, you know, my general term has always been sort of like, you know, our general work hours are 8.30 to 6.30. That's kind of generally when we're, we're, we're sort of working, working. Obviously, sometimes people work later, uh, sometimes a little bit earlier. Um, but, it, you know, the, the part that we try to avoid is those getting into those G-chat conversations at nine o'clock at night, if we could all avoid it, unless it's a crisis. And of course, we'll try to help. But um, 
But it's also during the day, it's the more pickup, like we didn't schedule a meeting, but hey, can we have a quick chat about X? Sometimes that's great. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's absolutely great. And yeah, you can resolve something. You don't have to set up a meeting on the calendar and that's good. Other times you're like, I can't, I'm doing three other things over here that you can't see because yeah. we're not in a meeting. So uh, I think in general, the access is good, but you got to manage it. And also again, the after hour stuff, the same thing. I sort of feel like, um, you know, part of me wants to be responsive immediately when somebody sends something to me at 10 o'clock at night. But part of me says, you know what? They need to know that we're going to do this first thing tomorrow morning, but I'm not going to do it tonight unless it's a crisis. That's really important to look at and be able to set those boundaries because I've even noticed in myself, like if I'm just fiddling on my phone and I, I have to keep all those chats in a separate application, right? Because they're mis- mixed in with everything else. And okay, did I, did I reply to that? Or am I leaving that for tomorrow? Like that, right. that's important. But then also if I reply at, at 10 o'clock, that shows that they can, that's, that's open a fair game for anyone to, to comment on that. As soon as you do, they, they open it. Actually, one of the funniest good things that I just did, because like you, I, I get hundreds of emails a day, hundreds and hundreds. And I was finding that just, again, in the flow of the day, you lose things. So I set the, my, uh, uh, my settings now so only unopened ones are at the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's been a great discipline for me. A, I'm not missing things, but B, I'm really finding myself you know, plowing through it better uh, and staying on top of it. Because I would say, oh, I emailed you like four days ago. Like, Mm, but you did it at 10 o'clock at night and I, that already wasn't in my stream, you know? Uh, yeah. There's 200 ahead of you. <laughs> I think that's going to be interesting too, to see how individuals respond to that, right? Because everyone's going to have a different system. Everyone's going to have a different way that, that works for them. And, and to be able to to come to a good a working agreement with your team and with your clients and people you, you go to, that's, I think it's going to take a long time to find any kind of equilibrium with that. But I, I'm eager to, hopefully we can find that. The, the biggest balance to that, Neil, is that I do think people want quicker responses in general. So it's, it's honestly, it's not like, you know, they get cranky about it, but it's sort of the expectation. It's because back to doing the instant messaging or anything else. If, and, and actually, I've told this a lot to my team, saying if someone you know, sends you something, at least revive back and go, heard you working on it. You know, I don't have to have the answer, but just so they know, okay, I didn't lose that. And I think that's something that, particularly in the virtual world, people like to see. That's true. And a lot of it, like we've seen in other places, like that's it's impacted by the other people's interactions with delivery dates getting shorter or with chatbots that are instantly able to be there. We get those expectations from other parts of technology, which maybe we should do that. I, I should have an automated response that comes from a chat or a, an email that says, I got this. You can just click a button. I got it. I'll reply later. That's that's and that's great. And again, I've never allowed that. It, I, as a project manager that recommended, I said, but that means that you didn't actually see it. So that still goes to the, because ultimately it's great to respond, but you actually have to do something with that too. Yeah, that's true. Good. Well, Randy, we appreciate you coming on and and sharing your experiences and leading into the digital workplace. Where can people go to learn more about you, your thoughts and your company? So my company is The Visual Brand, thevisualbrand.com. I'm Randy, R-A-N-D-Y at thevisualbrand.com. And if you care to, you can always check out my blog at mymovingforward.com. Well, we will make sure to have all those show links in the show notes. And this has been great, Randy. Thanks for coming yeah. on. We look forward to interacting with you again, bringing you on for other conversations and, and hearing more about how you guys are leading the way in innovation and digital workplaces. Great. Thank you, Neil. Appreciate the opportunity. This has been the Digital Workplace Podcast. If you liked it, please take a minute to leave a review wherever you are. Go to thedigitalworkplace.com and sign up for our twice a month newsletter. 
It keeps you up to date on the best ways to build a level 5 digital workplace. Music for the show is provided by City of Sound. I'm your host, Neil Miller. Keep moving forward.